I want to pick up from where the guys were praying this morning. This morning's prayer meeting. They took on a theme and I want to pick up. You know, we're living in a world of social media. I know you know that. And you can't turn around and say, well, computers is, you know, we're coming more and more about computers. No, we are computers. This world is computer driven. And it has been for many years. People say, oh, it's all going computers now. No, it, it has been computers for many years. It's not going that way. It is that way. Oh, it's all going social media. No, it has been social media for quite a long time. The fact is you just may be using it a little bit more than you've ever used it. But it's been like that for many, many years now. And uh, we're living in, in this time of a social media epidemic. It's never been seen before what we're seeing today. And therefore, technology is not bad. The technology is good. It's the way we use technology that makes technology bad. It's our use of it, not the technology itself. True? Mobile phones are very useful, aren't they? But the way we use them doesn't make the phone bad. It makes your use of them incorrect. So... The way social media is destroying, social media is, de- is designed to enhance communication, but I feel it's actually having the opposite effect. I think it's having a very detrimental effect upon our society. And I don't think the church has fully embraced the use of it. It's using it privately, though the church is using it individually and privately. I do not think the church has fully harnessed the capacity of this power in our hands. And when you talk to the tech guys, of which we have a few in here, they could come and tell you all kinds of things that's going on that you and I wouldn't know about. And they might tell you some things that you do know about, but when you work in this particular field, you get to know things. That's what's your field. True? But I do believe that social media is affecting us emotionally, psychologically, and relationally. It's affecting us relationally, emotionally, and psychologically. What do I mean by that? Well... You can have conversations on social media, through social media, and do not have to become relationally connected, emotionally connected, and psychologically engaged. It's very, very disconnective in that sense, if you want it to be. Now, you can type in words and you can type in abbreviations. That doesn't mean to say you're connected. That's just a response to something you read. But it doesn't mean to say you relationally are communicated, psychologically, emotionally, are connecting to, uh, to the people on the other side. And with that being said, it means that we're saying things, we're doing things, we're talking, but we're not actually engaging. Would you agree with that? And it's almost like social media has become like anesthesia. Like anesthesia, how do you say it? Anesthesia? Anesthesia. Okay, anesthesia, whatever you want to say it. Which literally means, you know what that word actually means? Loss of sensation. It's almost like we've been given ourselves an epidural of brain, heart and emotions when it comes to social media. Now, I'm not saying all social media is conducted that way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying large portions of social communication is emotionless relationally it's not there psychologically it would not engage and this is creating an issue this this 
problem in social media is found its way into the church because the people in church are part of society. And we tend to go, we, you know, we follow the groups. We follow what people do. We, the monkey that sees is the monkey that does. And people tend to follow the patterns of society because after all, that's what society does. So we jump in and follow the crowd. So when it comes to Christ... Christianity and kingdom, so Christ, Christianity and kingdom, there should be a different behaviour. We've got to take advantage of the opportunities, but behave differently. Because if our behaviour is the same as everybody else, then what makes us different? Well, the answer is obvious, nothing. Nothing makes us different. So if we're going to engage our world We seriously need to harness the power of social media because social media is not a bad thing. It is a very useful tool. So we need to learn to use it more effectively. So we're trying to use our Facebook as church the best we can. All right, we've got a long way to improve that. But websites, all those kind of things, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever particular gadget you use, app you use, they all have to be improved so that we can... Take what we know, take who we are, take Christ, Christianity, and his kingdom out there. Because it's amazing. Uh, I was at, where did he hear it now? I can't remember. Oh, I, I, I know. I was listening to a guy speak, and uh, an American guy, and he was telling me, uh, he, was, he was telling, not me, he was telling his audience, that he created this website. I did tell Phil, but forgot the name of it now. Can you remember what the name of the website was? Anyway... Basically, if you want a conversation about Christ, Christianity, he set this website up. So far, he's had over 2 million people come to the Lord. Just by setting up a basic website, any question you want to ask, we'll talk about it. And he's led two, well, the website's led 2 million people to the Lord. Is that innovative? Yes. Did he use technology to, to be you know, really innovative? Of course he did. So it can be done. It can be done. All we need is people on the ground with brains. That's easier said than done sometimes, but we need it. There's the problem. Isaiah 59 says this. Isaiah 59 verse 14. Justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter in. Truth is nowhere to be found And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. There was no social media. There was no internet. There was no ability to do the things that we can do today. Now, isn't it amazing how social media, internet stroke social media, can get every vile thing across into, into society? It has no problem getting darkness and evil and political ideologies, philosophical ideologies, doctrines, all these kind of things. It has no problem getting it on the web. It has no problem getting it through social media. But we, the church, have a problem getting Christ through the network. Hello? 
Now, I know some of the older folks say, well, you're not talking to my generation because we don't use it. Carry on. Yeah, try the phone. There's many, many ways. Hear what we're saying. I'm not talking about social media specifically. I'm just using it on run, on run to where I'm going. Okay? So justice is driven back. We know in our society, justice is being driven back more and more. The more you stand up and say things, this freedom of speech is all under being redefined. And you know when you say they're redefined, it means you you won't have any. We redefine it to take what freedom you thought you had away. So we know living in this time, so we've got to get smarter. So just, justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Now, let's just say for a minute, you're a, you're a social media user. Does your truth, is your truth being driven back? And how would you know your truth being driven back if you never put it out? Ah. So let's look, at, let's look at it from the point of the user. This is what was absent, but let's look at it from our point of view. Justice is driven back. Well, justice won't be driven back until you stand up for something. So when you stand up and use social media and people say, well, you know, I get all kind of mail. Guess what? So it's only only hate mail. It's social media. They're coming to your house, are they, looking to punch your lights out? But you've got to stand up for something to be driven back. Then he says, and righteousness stands at a distance. Does your righteousness through social media stand at a distance? Would any of your friends, those so-called people we call on Facebook, friends, do they even know what you stand for? Do they even know that you're a righteous believer? Just a question. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Don't let your truth stumble. Don't let your truth stumble. Well, truth is not only what you say, truth is how you live. Truth is how you act before others. Don't let your truth stumble in the streets. Then he says, honesty cannot enter. When was the last time you were really honest with people? And you stood for honesty. It's got to be a core value. These are the reasons why truth could not get in. is because of these problems. Truth is nowhere to be found. Is that right? In your conversation, my conversation, when people engage you in conversation and they see you, do they see that there's no truth to be found in you? In other words, you gossip, you lie. You jump in with the crowd. You're the same. You get involved in the same conversations and pull collectively, you pull the people down whoever's being talked about. Come on, church. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. So when you're in work and everyone's deciding to do something and you think, better go with the crowd or I'll become a target. Well, it's at that point you've got to stand up. I've had to do that. It's not nice, I know. But guess what? The Lord came through. The Lord came through. Stand for something. Or fall for everything. And the, uh, it's saying, truth's nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. That's a sad state for us to be in. But then the Bible says, so then his own arm worked salvation. So in other words, God had to do something that was not in the capability of this crowd. Yes? That that's not the case now. God has already brought about salvation. 
God's own arm does not have to work in that context anymore. Why? Because Jesus has already died. And guess what? You're a representative. You're the one on the ground now. That is his arm. You're the one who's got to speak, got to act, got to stand up, got to move. Because you are now his representative in the workplace or in your neighborhood. You're that person. Hello? You're the person. We're, we're, this is it. We're the crowd. It's frightening, I know. So, God asks, God wants, and God requests. God asks, God wants, and God requests that you speak for him. God asks, God wants, and God requests. Notice I didn't say demands. It's always an option. God asks, God wants, God requests you and I to speak for him. Why? Because God wants to speak to you so that you can speak for him. God wants to speak to you so that you can go and speak to others about him. And thus thus the circle or the triangle, which I want to use, is, is fulfilled. God asks, God wants, God requests you to speak to others about him. But in order to do that, God must speak to you so that you can then go and speak to others. Yes? This is where we find ourselves. Now, whenever God asks us to go and speak to others, depending on our faith level, that can be quite daunting. Go to, in your Bible, if you will, to uh, uh, Exodus chapter 6. You know, thank God you haven't been told to, to Pharaoh. But there are many Pharaohs out there. There are many Egypts out there. There are many Babylonian, Egyptian kingdoms and domains out there. And at some point, God will ask us to stand up and speak to people within those systems. Yeah? Go to verse 30, if you will. And he says, but Moses said to the Lord, God's asking Moses to go and speak for him. God's asked. God wants. God's requested of Moses. I've got an assignment for you, Moses. You thought this was just a burning bush. I used the bush to lure you in. Why? Because I have something to say to you, Moses. Why? Because you're going to have a lot to say to others about me. It's true. So God will use a situation to lure you in. I love that about God. He lures you in so God can speak to you. So when God speaks to you, it's very dangerous. Because God wants to speak to you, so you'll go and speak to others about him. And tell them what he's been telling you. Yes? So he says to me, but the, what Moses said to the Lord, so there's a dialogue going on here. Since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? As if that's a good case to put to God. God, you've got this wrong. You know, you know I'm not an, a, a, a communicator. You know I'm not an international speaker, Lord. You know that. I'm just a simple human being. Thank you for the update on that. God says, but he says to Moses, oh, let's just say the Lord, uh, Moses says to the Lord, see how you have made you like God. Wow. To Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. See, I have made you. So from what you lack, Chris... From what you lack, 
you have now been given all that you need so that you cannot deny God's request. So I'm going to make you like God. I mean, that must have blown Moses' circuits. I'm going to make you like God. Guess what? God has made Phil like God. He's made Chris like God. He's made you like God. Why? Because the Christ who is in you is greater. So, the God who is in you is able to do far more than you can ask or imagine. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, you have been given that same ability that Moses was given to appear like God to other people. I didn't say be God. I said become like God. Why? Because we have, his, we have our Father's nature, we have our Father's image, and we have our Father's name. We are a reflection and an image of our Father. We're not God. Let's make that very, very clear. We are not God. We are not God's. We are not God's. We are not God. We are made in his image and his likeness. So that when people see us, they see his glory. Not you, not me, not us, but they see him. So God, we've got the same capacity that Moses was given. And you've also got brothers and sisters who can be prophets. Now, I didn't say prophet as a, as, as a ministry, but you can be a voice calling in the wilderness. So you can be a prophetic voice without becoming the prophet. I don't want to get into that right now, but I'm into it. See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, like God. That, that word like is so important. And your brother will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you. So when God speaks to you, it's so that you will go and speak to others about what he has been speaking to you. Come on, get this. So every time you hear God speak to us as a church, there will be some opportunity at some point for you to go and speak to somebody else. Mary shared a beautiful testimony with this morning. I won't share it. I'll let you do it at some time. How God arranges and connects. And what God spoke to her about, God spoke to somebody else about. And the two then is dimly connected. Beautiful. And this is what we need. The more God speaks to us and, and the more we allow God to speak to us, the more we can then be empowered in his presence to go and speak to others. Because when God speaks to you, you're in his presence. You didn't need worship. You didn't need songs. You didn't need to be in church. When God speaks to you in the street, that's the presence of God. The presence of God came over you or was welled up within you and that presence is in you. Why? Because the voice on the inside of the recreated man, that's your new spirit. I'm no longer an old creation, man. I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, that new creation, we call it the new recreated spirit. God created a spirit within you. And that now becomes a center of control from which God speaks from his spirit within you. He doesn't have, you don't have to hear voices on the outside. No, God speaks from the inside. So when God speaks to us, the presence of God is over us. And it's in us. Amen?
You getting this? You're going to have no excuses by the time we're finished. You are to say to everyone I command you and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let Israel, Israelites go out of his country. So you are to say everything I've commanded you. You are to share everything that God is speaking to you. Amen? You are to share it. Hello? You are to share it. You are to go and do something with what God spoke to you about. Now, let's get that in context. God's speaking to something you about intimately. God's speaking to you about, to, to, to you about a situation. You've got to use discretion. We're not talking, let's not take the word everything, meaning everything. What we're saying is a lot of what God speaks to you is, is to empower you to go and tell other people. Of course, we know these private, intimate things. We're not telling you. You say them, but there may come an opportunity when you feel it is appropriate to share some of those things with somebody. It might help them because the fact that they don't know you, it might be helpful. Yeah? Yes? So Luke chapter 10, verse 8. And then here we see in Luke, it says, when you enter a town and you're welcomed. So there's sometimes when you go into places, you're not welcomed. And other times when you go in, you are welcome. And you know, you'll like this part. It says, eat what's set before you. He'll, and then he says, enter a town where you're welcome, eat what's set before you, and heal the sick. Who were there, and tell them. Heal the sick. The woman is saying, eat everything that's been put in front of you, and then all of a sudden, heal the sick. And then tell them. And then tell them. Tell them what? Well, I'm glad you asked. The kingdom of God is near. So you've gone from eating to now action. When was the last time, or who was the last person we prayed for outside of the confines of this building? Who was the last person we had the courage to go and pray for? This is getting more and more serious, folks, because if we want the power of God to work, I certainly just do not want the power of God only just to work inside church. Because, you know, if the power of God works inside church, you know what that means? It means 98% of you will be redundant. And only 2% will, will pray and use the power. That can't be good. That can't be good. That's not the church. That's called 2%. So, healing the sick and telling the people that the kingdom of God is near you is the very thing... That stops truth entering into our society. This is the very thing that pushes injustice back. If we can get the kingdom in just by still praying for people and telling them, we push injustice back and we allow truth on the ground to take over in that particular environment. So it's, it's, the kingdom is the only thing that's, that is the antidote to that first scripture that truth has stumbled in the streets. When truth stumbles in the streets, because the kingdom has been taken out. Look at Britain today. She is not the nation she once was. The great Brit, the great in Great Britain is, could arguably be claimed that she's not great today, but we don't go by what she is today, we go by her destiny. Yeah. 
and her destiny is not what we see as today. I would, listen, now the thing is, every patriotic English person or any patriotic citizen, let's use that, who feels about this country will say, oh, absolutely, she's got a destiny. Because you feel, you can say that about any country. Any countryman is passionate about their own nation. And during the World Cup, you'll see that passion. People will paint their faces. They'll put flags outside the house. They'll wear shirts. Apparently, the Nigerian shirt sold out. Or they got nicked. I'm not sure which one. (laughs) But the Nigerian shirt got sold out. So we're we're in a season now where if your nation's at the World Cup, you want to wave your flag and let the rest of the world know, hey, we're here. England can only do it for a week. And then we'll be back at home. <laughs> but the point, the point is this. When you're patriotic about something, you're emotionally connected. But you're not always, you're not always emotionally connected to, to be moved to action. That's why war is very, very psychological. You, those, those people will rise for their nation and go and fight for their nation. It's different from the one who wants to wave a flag. Very different. Those who will do something for their nation is far more impacting than those who will just wave a flag on TV. It's true. Laying your life down for something is a lot more intense. We know that. It makes, it makes sense. But the point is this. Action is needed from the soldier. Action is needed from you. From you and me. It's needed. God didn't say go on the street and wave a flag. He said go and take the kingdom. Go and take the kingdom. Now, many years ago, we, uh, we used to have those things called the Mateway Marches. Do you ever, anybody remember the Mateway March? Something that was uh, organised by uh, Graham Kendrick and uh, Noel Richards and other people like that. And the whole idea was to, you, you, you got on the back of a big Arctic lorry and you put all the, the musicians... And you dressed up in like a carnival, and you went through your community, and there was a whole bunch of songs that that asked us to sing. And one of us, we believe that the kingdom of God is here. You ever remember that one? And then you, you'd all, so we'd all be in Deansgate, thousands of us, with a flag, with a little flag. I mean, Nigerian flag, I had my English flag, and. It was a time when the church started going out and it was aware of spiritual warfare. And in the church, it decided to try and take the kingdom on the street. Now, we look back and we think, didn't we look a right bunch of Nancys? But guess what? We did something. We did something. And thousands of us were on the street. And then we did it in our local carnival and we won the prize. The best, the, <laughs> the worst looking nomads, I think we, we got. We won it, won it three years on the trot. Got a big Arctic lorry. It's amazing how many people gave freebies. The guy gave his, his Arctic lorry. And obviously because of marketing for him. But even so, they had to pay for the fuel. And we did it. And that was great. Everyone walked along. The kids could come in the, in the trolley. And everyone walked along. And it's only as you look back at the footage some years ago. Didn't you look? What was you wearing that day? <laughs> they let you out in that. Dear me. You should have wore sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> But we tried, to did, we tried to do something. It was, we were at least trying to take the kingdom out. But you know what? It also said there's safety in numbers. But eventually the kingdom has to be whittled down to individuals. 
And you have to go and speak to Pharaoh somewhere. You say, you can't. can I take the church with me? You are the church. It's your job to take the church with you. Yeah? So the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and you're not welcomed, go into the streets and say. So now you still have to say something when the kingdom of God is not welcomed. And even the dust of feet that sticks to the, uh, the, our feet and we wipe it off against it. You be sure of this. The kingdom of God is near. In fact, the kingdom of God is nearer than you think. It's so close. And right now, we're in the season of Ramadan. When's he finish? Anybody know? Ramadan. Yeah, it's not. What a time to pr- what a time to talk to people when they're in prayer. What a time to talk to people, engage different cultures. We have a, a Muslim family next door to me. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to speak to them. They make a racket. But it's a what an opportunity. One side of your city is in prayer in a festival, that's a good time to engage them. Oh, I'm not quite sure about that. Why not? They're just people like you and I. So if God cannot speak directly to his people, if God cannot speak directly to his people, he has to speak directly to his leaders. And God can't speak to the people... And God can only speak to the leaders. The church is in serious, serious trouble. The church is in serious trouble. How do we notice? Let's go to, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Let's see this. Starting at verse 18. Exodus 20, verse 18. And it says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning, must have been in Birmingham or London, and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke. They trembled with fear. Well, you would do, wouldn't you? They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. Say that again. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself. And we will listen, but don't have God speak to us or we'll die. Go to Exodus chapter 3. Go back. Let's pick it up here. So we see that God can't speak to the people, but he can speak to Moses. Now it sounds good, but it's not good. Because... This is where religion has camped. Go back to Exodus 3. I'll come there in a minute. This is where religion has cramped. The institutional religion as we know it today with the altars and its rules and regulations that you can't have communion unless you've gone through confirmation and all these kind of things and you can't do this, you can't do that. And it keeps the people at a distance. Why? Because that is the reflection of the old system. This is exactly what Israel created. Israel created a system where we're happy to sit behind rules, regulations, traditions and rituals. We just don't want to talk to God. Why? Well, it's hard work talking to God. It means you've got to surrender to him. So it's easy if we pay you as the priest to talk to God. 
You sacrifice your life. We can do whatever we want. We just come to ceremony on a Sunday. You give us the word that you spent all we get in. That's exactly the same system we still have today. Yes? But in the New Testament, the Bible calls you all priests and kings. It calls you sons and daughters, priests and kings. It now lays the responsibility on you, the individual, as well as our responsibilities on the fivefold ministry. So now, you are responsible for hearing God. You are responsible for obeying God. You are responsible for working in God. You are now responsible, so you cannot get out of this. Now, I'm also responsible for how I lead you. We are responsible for how we govern the affairs of the house. So then when God speaks to us, when, we're, when you start crying to God because of the way we are leading you, God gets on the case. God, gets, God moves to your rescue because of the leaders and now abusing his people. Because at the end of the day, you are not my people. You're his people. Together, we are his people. Yes? So, but you are our people in one sense because you are into this church and leadership to lead you. So we understand it in that context. But if we don't lead you righteously and love you righteously, then we're in trouble. So everyone's got responsibility. I like this about the way the New New Testament church works. The Old Testament church is, this is why the Catholics love confession. Let's go to confession. Let's get the monkey off our back. And I've got all week to go and do what I want to do again. And I can go back into confession. I can say, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been six days since my last confession. And now I've had these thoughts. I've had that thought. Oh, say free Hail Mary. It's four hour fellas. Go on, you're away again. Four old fellas and three our fathers. I'm not sure. Or was it, did he say go to the three fathers? I'm not quite sure. It's too easy. And why? Because it sets... This precedence in the mind of people that I can deal with it just on one day. I can deal with it, but nothing has to change. I can still live the way I want. The kingdom will never come through people like that. And it will never come through an institution like that. Because he blocks God off. That doesn't mean to say God can't move in some of those places. And God does move in some of those places. But the system itself... Is limited. So, Exodus chapter 3. But Moses said to God, verse 11, Exodus 3, verse 11. But God said, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites to say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. There's a song there, isn't there? And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am he that has sent you. I am he that has sent you. So so God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, da-da-da-da-da-da, has sent me to you. This is my name, forever my name, by which I am to be remembered from generations to generations. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of the misery of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, and da-da-da-da. So what he's saying is, Tony, 
Go and tell the elders. Elders, go and get the rest of the congregation because together we're all going. Together we're all going to be involved. Let's not have none of this nonsense now. We're just when the pastor speaks and he goes. No. Let's not have none of this nonsense when the pastor's not at church because he's the one traveling, but he can't get his own people off the ground here. Hello? So he says, get the elders. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to the elders. You're all in agreement together. Now go and get the people. The elders wasn't the elders, the same elders that was in the New Testament. These are elders of the clans, of the tribes. So I, it's like me saying to Dave, Dave, go and get your clan together. Go and get the Tilbrook clan together. Go and get the Haywood clan, uh, clans together. We've all got families, all our names. Go and get the people together. Why? Because collectively, we're going. We're all going. So then he says, and the elders of Israel will listen to you. So in this case, the pastor must have some influence. They must have some influence. Now, the problem with most churches is the people do not have a problem with what the pastor says. They just have a problem where what he says, it leads them. So I can say to you, did you agree with this morning's message? Oh, yes, 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 yes. But has it moved you to action? No. So therefore, what part didn't you agree with? So I agreed with it in principle, Pastor, but I didn't agree with it in the sense that the part where you said, now I've got to get involved with it. So we all do this. We all do this. So what we've got to do is, we've got to be at one with what the word is, what's coming to us. Because if I'm going to get my clan together, I'm going to have many conversations and say, honey, we're going. We've got to go. I don't want to go. I I haven't got a new dress. I haven't got this. I haven't got this. Listen, there'll always be reasons why we can't go. It might be my dress I can't find. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, the point is this. There'll always be reasons why we can't go. Yeah. And can't, there's no such thing as can't. It's we don't want to go. Because flesh, and listen, the older you become, the less you want to change. So, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king and say to them. So now, we're all supposed to go to the king in the domains, in the society, in the streets, in our workplace. And we've got to go and say some things to them. Yes? Are you with me here? Verse 19. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels them. Or compels him. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike all the Egyptians with all the wonders that I perform among them. After that, he will let you go and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people. How many people want to see Egyptians favorably disposed towards the kingdom? You've got to go. You've got to go to some Egyptians in order for God to give you the favor before some people. Yeah? So that when you leave, you don't go empty-handed. So, Acts chapter 5, verse 20. Let's bring this thing to a head. So, at some point, we've got to actively go and speak. Everybody on that page? So, let's not keep saying some point. Let's define that point. Today. Today, when you hear my voice, Scripture says, Today, when you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts like you did in the rebellion. Do you remember your rebellion? 
you remember your struggle and your frustration? Of course we do. We've all got a day called rebellion. I brought a day called rebellion to an end yesterday in one area. There's always a day called rebellion. I'm not ashamed, I said, I'm, not, um, I'm ashamed of it. I'm not happy about it. But I brought it to an end. And I felt that it's right for me to bring it to an end in my own mind heart, settle it in my heart. And I said, Lord, I want the fear of God in my life greater than I've ever had it before. I want the fear of God. Why? Because I believe the fear of God will bring me into account quicker. Yes? So that's what I've been praying. Lord, bring the fear of God into my life greater so that my life is yielded quicker. Yeah? I want it to thunder over me before I realize, is that you speaking, Lord? I want the internal voice of the Holy Spirit to guide me, guard me, and govern me. So, in Acts 5.20, he says, Go and stand and speak to the people in the temple. What kind of message? The whole message of this life. So, there's something to be spoken. You've got to find the aspect that needs to be spoken. Amen? So, the first thing you need to remember is, we need to speak the whole message. Whatever you have to speak, speak it. Whatever you have to speak, speak it. Speak the whole message. Now, that doesn't mean to say you're going to get the option to speak everything you know. People give you, sometimes the window might be open for a minute. It might, you might have a good conversation, you might have a good conversation, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. The chances are you don't get that long. Speak what you have to say. Get ready to say something. And if you get 20 minutes, speak the whole thing. Speak it out. John 3.11 says, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not set our testimony. So tell them what you've seen and what you know. Tell them what you see and tell them what you've known. Amen? Amen. Number two. Acts 5.42 says this. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Speak daily. Speak daily. Look for opportunities daily to speak. So we speak the whole message was the first one. So we speak of what we've seen, we've heard. Next one, we look to speak daily. They spoke from house to house. They spoke from the temple. They were preaching, they were teaching. Well, you might not get the opportunity to do that, but just... Be willing to share. Now listen, here's the thing. When we speak daily, when we speak daily, God will add daily. If we speak once in a blue moon, then God can only act once in a blue moon. But if God, if you speak regularly, you can't say it, regular, that's it. You speak regular and you speak daily, you increase the, op- the opportunities for God to move yeah. daily and regular. Right. True? Yeah. Don't tell him, oh, have you listened to our church's podcast? No, you're the podcast at that moment. You're the podcast. Right at that moment, you speak to them. Day after day, he says, day after day. They, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow. The next thing is, speak early. Learn to speak early. What does that mean? I don't mean get up early in the morning. That's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Speak early. And when I say speak early, speak before somebody dies. Learn to start speaking life. When you know somebody's sick, start speaking life 
at the, mo- at the moment and the point you know they're sick. Don't wait until they're in hospital or they're on the death's door. Learn to rescue the sick quicker. Yes? Well, I'm waiting up for the big miracle. I'm going to go into that spot. It's going to become the big, big miracle. Well, what happens if it doesn't come and that person slips into eternity? You had all those opportunities to speak. Don't get sensational. Don't get sensational. Just speak. Can you imagine if your doctor says, you're not sick enough yet before you see me? That's exactly what we're saying. You're not sick enough yet. Come back when you're really dying and then I'll come and visit you. No, I need someone now. That's exactly what a sick person needs. Yeah? True? Do you want another one? Don't stop speaking. Don't stop speaking. Why? Because God has given you a privilege to speak for him. <laughs> it's never been a problem. <laughs> Don't stop speaking. Why? Because God has given us a privilege to speak for him. It's a privilege. Well, my knees are knocking. Good. Good. And when you've done it, you feel so good. And if you've never done it, let this be the first... Let today, when you hear this word, let it be the first opportunity. I love engaging with people. I love having that natural flow. I'm always looking for it. Carol will tell you, I'll speak to anyone. Oh, well, my Kath, I'll speak to anyone. I go, I go into my local patisserie every morning. And they all know what I stand for. Cream cakes. I don't, no, not cream cakes. <laughs> Tea cakes, no. I toast it. I have a toasted muffin. They know my order. They know it's coffee with no sugar. They know it's a tea cake. Brownly done. Not lightly done, brownly done. I saw some definition about it. And I talk to them while they're making it. And, and they say, what have you done this week? And I was at church. Or what are you doing? Da, 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 da. And I know exactly which conversation to have. And they used to have a lot of young girls. And I've witnessed to all the young girls. I've witnessed to the owner. Why? Because I know that's one domain I can speak in. Yeah. Patisserie. And when I go to another shop, I'll try and find where I can speak. I just let conversation come out naturally. Yeah. Oh, are you having a nice day? Yeah, I'm having a nice day. I've been praying this morning. No, I don't say that. But... I'm having a nice day. And I'll find some way of getting it in there. And once you do it, you think, hey, it's not too hard, is it? No. It's not that hard. So, don't stop speaking. John 1, sorry, 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, you've had a beginning, which we have heard, you all know what you've heard. It said, which we have seen, which our own eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So the issue is, what have you heard from the beginning? Yeah. What have you heard from the beginning? What has your hands touched? What has your eyes seen? What has your heart felt? What have you heard from the beginning? What has your hands touched? What has your heart felt? What has your eyes seen? Start there. Start there. Well, well, I, I need, I need. Uh, it's difficult. I, I need an introduction. No, you don't. So, so, how did your weekend go? Oh, it was really good. Be creative with your language. You know, I had a real powerful experience this weekend. What did you do? I went to a church. Well, you go to church, don't you? Yeah, but I went to church. And sometime, I really felt God really spoke to me. Really, some will say really, but the more you say to people. I've had an experience. What is it? You know, you can have one as well. 
You just get cool with what, you, with what you're experiencing. If it's embarrassing, why is it embarrassing for them but not for you? If it's good enough for you to touch, it's good enough for them to touch. The next thing you need to do, speak in his name. Your opinions don't count for squat. Your opinions don't count. Tell him in his name. This is what Jesus, you can tell him your, your experiences of, the, of that name. I've encountered him here. I've encountered him there. Keep Christ central. Don't keep it on experiences. Experiences can be used in your testimony, but you must deliver the name of Christ because he's the one who sets people free. It wasn't your experience. They need to call on a name, not on an experience. And when they call on the name, the God of the name brings experience so that the people who then connect with that experience also connect with the same name. Don't offer experiences. Offer a name. Because Acts says this, Acts 5.32 says, We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given us to whom those who obey. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost needs the witness of that name. He's the one who moves in power. When he hears the name spoken, he's in there. Yeah. So it's not just, just can I, can I pray for you? It's in the name of Jesus can I pray for you. Yeah. So it says, speak in his name. And we give you strict orders, Acts 5.28, not to continue teaching in his name. It was the name that was messing, messing everything up, was disturbing everything. It was the name that was getting truth back into the streets and it was driving injustice back. His name. It's the only thing. Fill Jerusalem with your teaching, he said. And he, uh, sorry, <coughs> don't keep speaking in his name. You fill Jerusalem with your teaching and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. In other words, they were now exposed to their sin. They were now exposed because you spoke. And now they've got to deal with their internal sin. We don't like being discomfort. We don't want to live with this discomfort. You go into some churches and preach sin, you'll throw you out. I'm telling you, in, the, in, in many of the modern day contemporary churches, you preach sin, righteousness, sexual purity, they will throw you out. Why? Because we don't want to, that's not what the, that's not what the modern generation needs to hear. No, that's exactly what they need to hear. Amen. We just want to make people come back again and feel, listen, if everyone's comfortable then there's no conviction. And if there's no conviction, there's no fire. And if there's no fire, it means the whole house has left, and it means you're not having church, you're having a different meeting. Use his name. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. This is what the Bible says. Tell them. Well, uh, they might not be my friend if I tell them. Guess what? Jesus might not be your friend if you don't. Fill the whole of Jerusalem with his teaching. Fill the whole of Drawsden. Fill the whole of Tameside. Fill the whole of Manchester. Fill the nation. Fill, fill the nations with this teaching. Amen. Amen? Amen? Let everybody know. Let everybody know. Social media know. Amen. Don't like. Say something. Don't press like. Don't put your images on there. Say something. Amen. What's an emoji? Speak only in Jesus' name. Speak only in Jesus' name. Don't, speak, don't use my name. Use my name. Our pastor said, if I lay hands on you, you'll get healed. Pastor didn't say that. I said, it's in the name of Jesus. 
you'll get healed. Not pastor's name. You know another one? Speak and the Holy Ghost will confirm it. If you sow heavenly seeds, you don't have to worry about it. Let the Holy Spirit take care of what you sow. Amen? If we sow on good ground, somebody will, God will make sure somebody comes along and waters it. Your job is to sow. But you don't always know if you're sowing or watering. It doesn't matter. Speak. Speak. Sow the seed and don't have to worry. If you sow good seed, seed will grow. The, the apostles, in Acts 5.12, the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men, women believed in the Lord and they were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as some of them were passed by. Crowds gathered also in the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits and all of them were healed. I tell you what, wouldn't it be fantastic if our streets were lining up and they were bringing the sick out to us and just your shadow walking down. Why can't that be a reality? I say, why can't it be? Number nine, this increase happens when you start doing something. This will only happen when you start to do something. Do you know you brush your teeth every morning? Some of you might not, but... You have a wash every morning? Some of you might not. You put clean clothes on? Some of you might not. They're called habits. They're called good habits. It's called hygiene. Right? And when you stop doing something after a while, you get rusty, don't you? Yeah? When you stop doing things, they're called natural things. For some people, they're natural, but for others, they're not. You do them because you know there's a benefit. Them. By doing them, there's a benefit. You use toothpaste and you buy these things, you, you buy the products on, on the shelf, what's been marketed, because you know these products work and help you feel better. I was reading uh, in, in a book how toothpaste came about. In the, in the First World War, toothpaste was, was never used in the American military. Less than 2% soldiers used toothpaste. And it became such a uh, sick it became such a um, sickness came about, gum disease and all that kind of stuff, that they brought toothpaste out, but nobody would use it. But this guy had a brilliant, brilliant idea to put a taste inside toothpaste that would make your mouth feel fresh. Straight away, by the Second World War, 88% of soldiers was using toothpaste. All because he added this little ingredient. Now everybody's adding it. And there's no... And now every marketing company is telling you that their toothpaste is better than the other fellas. Right? But you know there's no evidence to show that cleaning your teeth actually makes your teeth better. It can protect your gums but not your teeth. And they were saying in this book I'm reading, whether it's right or wrong, I'm just telling you what I've been reading. I'm not fighting for the book. I found it was quite interesting how he used it, mark, he marketed it and made millions out of it. Just by putting this ingredient into it. And everybody, because he realised when he did the scientific research, there was a word called, you'll all know this, it removes that film. And he picked up on the science of removing the film. Ah, right. 
So it's not that it removes all this plaque and dull, you know, junk. It's that film feeling. So when you do that with your teeth, you want to feel there's been a film that's been removed. And he made millions on it. And the way you read this book, you're thinking, so toothpaste, they're like washing up liquid. They're not either. They're just basic things. And none is actually better than his others. Now, that's not necessarily true in every, in every case. I know that. And I realized that you get this thing. If you get some insight, you, there's no real limit to how far you can go. If we can get this gospel and really take this to the next level, there is no level we can't go. You need to take some... Oh, excuse me, we need some insight in how we can take this gospel to its ultimate capacity. Would you not agree? But we've got to start to do something with what we know. We have a product, Jesus Christ, if I can use it in that sense, that needs marketing. Guess what? You're the door-to-door salesman. Can I, can I tell you, I know Jesus who makes people smile, he makes the teeth white. No, I'm not saying that's their gospel. What I'm saying is, if you don't use what you've got, someone else will have to come along and take your place. Last one. Well, actually, that is the last one. I want us to get, as a church, to be so confident in sharing our faith individually, corporately. I really want us to become so confident that we start planning. We use our opportunities. We're sat on buses. We're sat on trains. We're sat, in a, we're sat on, on the grass on a nice day like this with a family and, and, and a conversation breaks out because someone kicks the ball towards you and some little child comes running to pick the ball and it's just that little first comment that sets the deal up. It's that first comment that then causes conversation to come back and forth, back and forth. Now sometimes it never leads anywhere but you just being conscious of that can take that to the next level. Can you see what I'm saying? It's so easy. You walk to a shop and somebody says, uh, and how's your day been? Oh, it's fine. You missed the opportunity. Why? Because you were never looking for the opportunity. You were never looking for it. You're on the bus. Someone's talking to you. You missed the opportunity because you were never conscious of it. And another day goes by. You didn't act. And yet we come back to church on a Sunday. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me. As if God only ever wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you so that you can go and speak to others about what he's speaking to you about. Let's not be so selfish that we shut God out and just make church about me, about you. These empty seats here need to be filled. These empty seats, you see those ones over there? Look at them. Look at these seats over there. I want everybody to look at these seats. It is a travesty that they are still empty. We want to turn this church around and get rid of this wall and take this building this way. Right? So if I turn you all around, there's more space this way. We want to get rid of this. Why? Because the new building will all go this way. Right? So if that's the case, and this becomes a story, we could get 500 people in here. Would it be great if we only did 500, 500 people per service? But guess what? It won't happen if you don't change. And I don't change. And it starts by you speaking. That is 
The technology you and I need is to be bold enough to speak for, to, for God to somebody else. That's all it is. It's not rocket science. You do it anyway. You stood in the shop and someone says to you, oh, it's terrible about that weather. It's when something negative is being spoken in the shop, we all feel we can join in. We have no problem. It's not, it's not embarrassing to stand there and slag a politician off. Oh, did you hear that news the other day? Oh, isn't it terrible? Oh, yeah, absolutely terrible it is. But when it comes to someone speaking positive and saying something that you know the rest of the shop's going to go quiet, what's the worst thing can happen? They're all going to ignore you. They're not going to pick stones up. You know, I've never seen a woman in my cake shop pick, a, pick an ice bun up and throw it at me. <laughs> She's never thrown this bun at me. Okay, let's stand to our feet. But I might start throwing some ice bonds if we don't move. So, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be having some barbecues. Here. And I want you to start, if you will, find somebody. And bring them to a barbecue. Now, if you haven't got a friend, now is a good, I'm giving you a couple of weeks to go and find one. <laughs> let's test how many likes you've got on Facebook and see actually how many will come. Seriously, let's start bringing people to these events and let's start reaching out. That's what we're corporately. That's just one thing, just one thing. It's simple, barbecue. It's dead easy. Feed your face. It's dead easy. With no, problems, no one's got any problems opening their mouth on that day, have they? But I'm talking this morning about us doing something individually. Find people to talk to. Find people. And people are starting to do it already. And testimonies are coming through. And it's thrilling my heart. It's thrilling my heart to hear people finding, going out the way and talking to people. And your testimonies are going to be richly, richly going to be appreciated the more you share. Because I really want to remember we're trying to turn a middle of the road, easy going church. If we don't address this issue, church, we will have no legacy. This is our very survival and our, we don't want to survive, we want to thrive. We don't do anything to survive. We do everything to thrive. Amen? Amen. So let's just lay, lift our hands if we will. I have now released what God has spoken to me, to you. So now it's in your hands. It's still in my hands, but it's also in your hands. So you must say, Lord, this word, I will find a way this week, daily, I will try and find a way to fill Jerusalem with your word. Help me to fill Jerusalem with your word. Help me, O oh God. Bring people divinely, sovereignly across my path. Let me consciously be aware that this is a great opportunity to engage somebody in casual conversation. Lord, give me the thrill of the experience. Give me the thrill of the experience. Give me courage, boldness. Strength to stand out and speak for you, O oh God. Give me a testimony. Give me a testimony. Give me a testimony this week, O oh God. Let it happen today. Let your will be done in this place. Let your kingdom come. Let truth never be afraid to enter into my domain because of me. Let truth never, let me never become the obstacle to truth. 
But let truth come through me like a river. In Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for your people. And I pray, oh God, you're filling with courage. I pray you're filling with might. I pray, oh God, that, you'll, that the, the, the arm of the Lord will move them, oh God. This week, this week, this very week, even today. That, Father, that's week, there will be such a kingdom collision. Such a kingdom collision this week in the lives of people. That, Father, it will become unstoppable. Unstoppable in Jesus' name, I pray. And the people of God said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a stand ovation. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.